Today we are uh, continuing our series in what we believe. <laughs> what we believe. This is part three. And it is the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the deity of Christ. Now, to believe, we have to have some understanding. You know, um, I, I, have to, I thought of whenever I was a kid, you know, you, you, you know they used to wish upon a star, you know, star, star light, star bright, whatever what was that, what was that little saying? You know, wish I wish upon you tonight or something. What was it? Oh, whatever, it's the first star. The, yeah. Yeah, I might have a wish I wish tonight, you know. Come to find out the first star was some satellite, you know. <laughs> you know, so it wasn't a star after all. But uh, so the idea is, you know, we're wishing upon something, but you have to have an understanding of what it is we are thinking of. And in, whenever we are talking about our faith and our understanding of Jesus Christ, it's not a wish. <laughs> it's a person. Jesus is a very real person. He was, uh, he is God, and we're going to talk about that. He is God, divine, set aside his deity, became a man like, you know, a human like us, lived and died on the cross, rose from the dead. So these are the things that we believe, some of the things that we understand. And without understanding, we think, or people can think of God and prayer as almost like making a wish. And it's the furthest thing from it. Faith is hearing from God. So we're hearing the word of God. So every time we hear the scriptures, every time we read the scriptures, it is building our faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So it's important that we hear what the scripture is saying, but also to understand it in the context in which it is written. So we have to put these things together. That's why you just can't stay off on your own and read the Bible and figure it all out and, you know, some people uh, that I've known in the past that that's been their philosophy and they've been way off in their, in their scriptural understanding. Jesus became frustrated even with his disciples when he uh, said to, in John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus answered, Do you not know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? <laughs> so the challenge was, even to his disciples, they had a, a thought, a consciousness about what the Messiah should be and what he should look like, how he should act, and Jesus didn't fit into that mold. Well, sometimes we have those molds, those understandings about God and the way that God should be and how we should approach him and things like that, you know, sometimes. In some religions and some faiths, God is someone who's getting even with everybody, you know, he's just waiting to mark things down. You know, remember the plaque that read, the eyes of God are upon you. Is that good or bad? <laughs> One way, the eyes of God are upon you. He's marking down all the things that you do wrong. And the other way is, the eyes of God are upon you because he loves you so much he can't take his eyes off of you. So which kind of a God do we serve? Um, these individuals had been with Jesus and they still, thought, they still did not get or understand what he was all about. I've heard people say that if I were alive at the time of Christ and heard Jesus, saw the miracles, I would believe. Well, challenge is, if you won't believe the Holy Spirit leading you to God now, you wouldn't believe Jesus then. We Believe is a series that explains the foundation of what we believe, the foundation of our faith. 
And as we look at today, as I said, it's part three, and it is the deity of Christ. So we must begin to know the character and the person of Jesus Christ. Why? (laughs) Because there is a vastness to our faith. Our faith is not something that is just a a little verse or two in the scriptures. There is a a huge, it is as vast as the kingdom of God. It is vast as the universe, and it is as personal as you. So there's this, we'll talk, we'll just say it's the vastness of our, of our faith. Because our faith isn't just about Sunday morning for a half hour or an hour. Our faith is about changing our life and changing our perspective. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith means putting out our full confidence in things we hope for. The King James says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance of our faith is Jesus Christ. So as we now look at the deity of Christ, we start putting those things in place. We believe in the deity of Jesus. And the deity of Christ was a question that Jesus himself presented to his followers. He asked the disciples in Matthew 16, uh, 13 through through 17, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Oh, well, you know, they're going, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets or Jeremiah. And then Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Okay. Peter blurts out, uh, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my father in heaven. And so that's the challenge for us. Who do we say Jesus is? And what are we looking for? Song. (laughs) You know, the divine revelation of a truth. And the divine revelation of this truth about God. I was just joking, telling somebody on my notes they can come take over, but no one one came. So, all right. What's that? Oh, they can't read my notes. Well, I've got them pretty well. I figured out. No, I didn't figure out. I have this um, dragon, naturally speaking. And you can talk into it, and it'll go right on the paper. And I hadn't used it for years. Um, and I hadn't used it basically since I wrote the book. You know, I think I'm all done with that now. But um, anyhow, I've been using it to write this stuff out, so that's why I got more pages and it takes more time to preach it. <laughs> I know, get on with the sermon. Well, it's, but you see, it's more than, this whole idea, it's, 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 um, it's more than a sermon, it's a message. It is an understanding of the deity of Christ. Now, there is a couple of things that we put in place here. Um, as the Son of Man, Jesus is spoken of as the Son of Man, he's spoken of as the Son of God. Son of Man means he was born of a woman. Son of God means he was one from God, born from God. Therefore, the title Lord our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is saying that he is Jehovah, he is God. Now, in the um, early church, the Christians, they wouldn't listen to the Romans or they wouldn't emperor worship Romans. The the Romans, the the Caesar would put in in front of his name, Lord Caesar, meaning he was claiming to be God. And the Jews and the Christians would not worship him because they would have no other gods before them. So they wouldn't go along with the Lord Caesar because he was claiming to be God. So 
Jesus, he is described as sustaining a relationship toward God that is not shared by any other person. So as we read his life and we talk about him and read the scriptures and so on, no one was in, in a relationship with God the Father as he was. John 16, 20, 28, I came from the Father and entered the world. I came from the Father. He is divine. John 20, 21, again, Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me. See, Jesus over and over again refers to, you know, he did not think equality with God, the Father, as something to be struggled for. It just is, because that's the truth. Um, John 17, righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. <laughs> so, to recognize Jesus as divine, I was, one of the statements was saying, well, he was not a bad man. <laughs> so, well, of course not. But when you look at the life of Christ and you look at what he went through and what he taught, he was not a, an evil man. He was not bad. He went around doing good. The only evil that was laid upon him was that which came from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the uh, high priest, saying that he had broken their law because he claimed to be God. You know, he was claimed to be the Messiah. And whenever they persecuted him to the point of crucifixion, Pilate says, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. John 14. This is continuing what we just read a little while ago. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you that you have, you, with you, and yet you hast not known me, Philip? And he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Do you believe that the two of us are together in this? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the work. So Jesus is saying, the very words that I say to you are not my own. It is the Father who lives in me. Now, Jesus is exemplifying for us that Christ, you know, for us, Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit is alive within our hearts and lives, and so we are then quickened by the Spirit. So it's almost like, and it's not the same, but it's like that when the Father was speaking through Christ because Jesus had set aside his divinity, we now are setting aside our humanness in the sense that we no longer are, have the longings of the world, but we long to serve Christ, and then Christ quickens our spirit, and his word gives us direction in what we should say and do. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe the very works that I do. So Jesus is telling us, and he's trying to tell the disciples and so on, you've, he you've heard me, believe in me. And if you don't believe in me, look at the works that I've done and believe what they are. Who can do such things as, as these works and not be God? So Jesus is putting all this together, and what's it about? His deity, that he is divine. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus did not cling to his prerogative that his right to be God. He gave that up. You see, we often, I remember we sing the song, 
Uh, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free whenever he's on the cross. Jesus could have called his divinity back, but he set it aside because he, was, he had come to be like us without sin. And so we then can become like him. <laughs> he came to become like us so that we could become like him, not only in this life, but in the resurrection, even after our death. Now, John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. This book we call the Bible, the word, the word became flesh. The substance of our faith is the book, but it is the flesh. It is Jesus Christ. All Christians, we all know about the incarnation, we celebrate it every year. It's Christmas. We all, we all know about the resurrection. We celebrate it every year. It's called Easter. So the incarnation is the birth of Christ, which means God became man. This does not mean, I like these, these little things right here, does not mean that God was turned into a man. God was not turned into a man. Nor did God cease to be God and become a man. He assumed and took on the nature, the human nature, humiliating himself. You know, he's the one who created the world, and he ends up serving. He ends up serving the people, the very people that he created. He served them and is teaching them and, and wanting to do good to them, and they reject him. <laughs> the person we know as Jesus Christ is truly God and truly man. Now, one of the uh, illustrations that is, that is used on this is if a king who is, you know, royal king in his, in his kingdom, that he decides that in order to understand his people better, he becomes a beggar. So he sets his title aside, he dresses up as a beggar, and he goes out into his kingdom as a beggar. And in his kingdom, he shares the hardships of the beggar, and he sees the life of those who are in poor estate, and in this whole thing, he is trying to understand and improve the life of the people that he is ruling over, okay? Well, in reality, it is the king who is doing this because he has become a beggar. Well, we also find that at the wedding of Cana, this is another really good thought, it's not mine, it's somebody else's. <laughs> but another really good thought is that at the wedding of Cana, Jesus, you know, they ran, out of, they ran out of wine. So Jesus, his mother, Mary, says to Jesus, you know, um, would you, you know they ran out of wine, what should we do? And, and you know, the, the process goes on. And Jesus tells the servants, fill the jugs with water. And after they're all full, Jesus tells them, serve, serve what's in the jugs, to the guests. Well, in their act of obedience, between, as it were, dipping the water out and pouring it out to the, the, the chalices of those who were there, the water became wine. Okay? It turned into wine. So the water ceased to be water and became wine. That did not happen with Jesus. Jesus never stopped being God. 
He never stopped being God. He set aside his divinity. He set aside all of those things. And we, well, how did he do the miracles? How did he uh, you know, walk on water? How did he teach and all that? He received it from the Father. He received this instruction from the Father. His heart was in that relationship with God where he received these things. So what's going on is we then are believing in the deity of Christ. He is divine. But he is also a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. <laughs> he is our Savior. He is our friend. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the sinless life. We believe in the miracles and his vicarious and atoning death, his substitutionary death. He died for our sin. The penalty of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. Jesus paid the wages. So we don't have to. That's where forgiveness comes. Jesus claimed that his deeds and his words were guided by the Father. John 15, uh, and this is another one of those. If you read through these texts, sometimes we just read over them and we think, oh, well. But Jesus answered and said unto them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Jesus is talking about himself. I can't do anything of me. I'm human. I, get, I set my divinity aside. You know, so if we look at this and we say, he's divine, that's why he does all this stuff. No, he set that aside. And what he has done is he has opened himself to the presence of the Father, the Holy Spirit. He, in, in, in all this, he is acting on faith, acting on the, I don't want to call it instinct, but acting on the impression of the God the Father to live out his life and to, to teach and to do these things. He said, the Son can do nothing of himself. What he sees the Father do, for whatsoever he does, the Son also does in like manner. He sees this as the Father's will and purpose. You know, when the Bible... So Jesus claimed that his deeds and words were guided by God the Father. So when we think about our life, and we're, we, we understand the scriptures, is our life guided by the Holy Spirit and the Word? Now, it doesn't mean we're going to... You know, there were crazy things people did. I know, I, I know in Johnstown there was a group that they were, you know, they believed they could do everything that God had done, and so the one guy walked off the second-story balcony. He fell. <laughs> you know, I like to joke. The guy fell off, you know, it was a 10-story building, and he jumps off the building, and after he goes by a couple of floors, he says, so far, so good. <laughs> so... <laughs> But God's not going to tell you to jump off a building. He's not going to tell you to stand out in front of a car. He's, you know, those are, no, that's not, that's not what we're looking at here. We're looking at how about loving your neighbor, forgiving those who have hurt you, forgiving those who persecute you, having the, having the faith to believe that no matter what happens in life, God is walking with me and I'm safe. Whether I live or die, I belong to God. And I have this security about my life that no matter what happens, God is there. And, and I was thinking of, you know, whenever people are sick and you have problems and, you know, disease or whatever it may be, God is a healer. See, the deity of Christ is, you know, the vastness of who Jesus is and uh, the substance of our faith helps us to understand 
and to ask correctly. I wish upon a star. You know, where'd that come from? Oh, some little fairy tale. I believe in Jesus. Where'd that come from? The Bible. How can he answer my prayer? He's divine. He created this place. Before the beginning began, God was there. Before creation, God was there. After it all ends, God is still there because he is divine. He is deity. He loves us. (laughs) So we find that the historical events that we read in the scriptures of the birth and the ministry of Jesus the culminating of his ministry and life by his death, burial, and resurrection, of all the things that Jesus has done and all the things that he did, you know, dying on the cross for our sins and all that, it would mean nothing if he were not risen from the dead. Jesus is the capstone. He is the cornerstone. He is the foundation of our faith. Because he lives, we shall live also. If Jesus is not risen, we're in trouble, you know, that that all this means nothing. But Jesus is alive, so Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept, meaning because he lives, we shall live also. That is the vastness of our faith, that no matter what happens in life, I'm going to live forever. Whether I become healed of this or not, I live forever. Whether I die now or when Jesus returns and I go to heaven, I live with him forever. So on this foundation, I look at life and I don't get caught up with the events of life and people and jealousy and hatred and bitterness. That's the world, the world that is separate from God. We are in the world, but that's, those are, that's not our attitude. Our, our, our attitude is forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. We are reflecting Jesus. You know, say, whenever Jesus was risen from the dead, um, a few things for us to remember. The fact is, those who came to the tomb that first Easter morning, why were they coming? They were coming to embalm a dead body. Jesus was dead. And in their minds, he was not prepared for his death process, decaying process. They were going to surround his body in spices so that his body would decay and wouldn't smell. So they were coming to the tomb to embalm this Jesus, his body. The fact that they came to the tomb um, was, (laughs) uh, they were not looking for a resurrection. They were looking for a dead body. The fact that Um, that he was dead cannot be dismissed. The next one is that how easily the Jews could have defuted the witness of of the early church by producing a body. You know, I'm sure they looked for one. I'm sure they tried to say, he can't be, nobody can be risen from the dead. Go find the body. And uh, I like the one, the attempts have been made to evade the fact of the resurrection where the Jewish leaders contend that his disciples stole the body. <laughs> well, the statement is, that, is saying that a small band of timid, discouraged disciples could muster up sufficient courage to overpower hardened Roman soldiers for the body of their Savior, whose death had spelled failure 
to all their hopes and dreams. <laughs> They're going to come and overpower the Romans? I don't think so. So the meaning of the resurrection is that Jesus is all that he claimed to be. He is divine. The answer of the world to the claims of Jesus, their answer to him was to, was to kill him, to crucify him. God's answer to those who wanted him dead was to raise him from the dead. <laughs> we believe in the resurrection. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. Now when he spoke these things and while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. One of the things that we, we see after the resurrection, we believe in the resurrection. We believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. So whenever we pray, we are understanding he is alive and he hears our prayers. Now, when Jesus was alive, I mean, after the resurrection, he appeared into the room. And he was there, ate with them, disappeared. Uh, the two on the road to Emmaus, he walked with them and he entered their house and he, he broke bread with them. And when they realized who he was, he disappeared. When Jesus ascended to heaven, what did he do? He, he, was, he ascended slowly. He didn't just disappear. They were all watching him. They were listening to him. And he ascended into heaven and he went up into the clouds. And as he went up and disappeared into the clouds, the angels said, what are you guys here looking for? <laughs> Why are you here looking up into the cloud? The same Jesus is going to come back again. So, I mean, so there was this great understanding and this rejoicing of who Jesus is. So we believe in the deity of Christ. We believe in the resurrection. We believe that Jesus will return again. That's a good amen. <laughs> we believe that he will return again. Did you know that the second coming of Christ is mentioned over 300 times in the New Testament? The foolish think that when somebody dies, well, that's the resurrection. No, it's not the resurrection. The coming of Christ is the opposite of death. For the dead in Christ shall rise. <laughs> so in death we go to him. The second coming of Jesus is called the rapture. In the Greek it's called the appearing. It's called the presence or the arrival. We believe. I believe. Do we, do, do we grasp the vastness of our faith? Do we, do, do we understand when we say he is divine, but he is my savior? And when I pray, he created all things. What is it for him to rearrange a few things? What is it to, to heal or to restore or to make a way? So when we read the scriptures and we find out that he will make a way where there is no way, you know, he will give us peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Everything in me says I should be all upset, but the peace of God comes to me. The vastness of our faith is in the deity of Christ. He is divine. He is completely divine, but he is completely human. If he were not human, he could not die. God died for our sins. He died for me, that I could be forgiven and that I could have a home with him forever. He doesn't want to spend an eternity without me. 
He doesn't want to spend an eternity without you. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the divine. I believe that he is divine. We believe in the deity of Christ. We believe in his virgin birth. We believe in his sinless life and in his miracles. His vicarious death where he died in my place. I believe in his bodily resurrection. I believe in his ascension to the right hand of the Father. I believe that he sits at the right hand of the Father and he prays for me. (laughs) He prays for me. Do we believe? Are we like Peter? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this this is the reality that God impresses upon our heart. It's not something that we receive by just reading a book. It is something that we read, we understand, and the divine touches our life. Just as the Father worked through Christ, Christ works through us. His Spirit works in us. And so we, we desire not the flesh, that which is temporal. We, do, we desire that which is eternal. He shall come again, and I shall be with him for an eternity. I believe in the deity of Christ. Amen? I believe in the vastness of all of who God is. God touches my life and I believe for this and this and this. And it all comes together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. (laughs) Thank you for setting aside your divinity, not only to take on a human likeness, but Lord, to go through the suffering and the penalty and the rejection and the flogging and the crucifixion, that you would go through all of that just for us, just for me. Lord, none of this means anything unless we accept you as our Savior. The resurrection proves that the cross was the altar upon which you died for our sin. Your blood washes away our sin. By your stripes we are healed from sickness, from sin. We are healed. Lord Jesus, forgive us of our sins. This is our prayer. Jesus, forgive me. Live within my heart and life. Open to me the vastness of my faith and my belief in you and what you can accomplish through us. Thank you, Jesus, for praying for me and hearing my prayer. These things we ask in the name of our Savior, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. And we have a song that I want to play again, and it is, I Believe. believe (laughs) I believe so no matter what we face no matter what we do no matter what I believe in the deity of Jesus I believe in his sacrifice I believe in his saving power I believe in his healing presence amen so we're going to continue to believe (laughs) we believe in the deity of Jesus Christ Amen. Amen. God bless you.